Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me from across the pond, he loves a Hawaiian pizza and I love him for that. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I am doing very well, sir. How are you this afternoon? Uh, it's evening over here now. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm hungry. We've mentioned pizza. I'm genuinely very, very hungry now, but uh, I'm doing okay. It's the uh, mid- middle of the week. We're ramping up our film schedule. We're talking about that off air, just what's coming out this week, next week, the week after, and for the next few months. Before we know it, we'll be doing the Bampies for next year. Uh, Oscar, Oscar weekend coming up as well. Lest we forget, the Oscars are this Sunday, so next week on the Bamp, uh, I'm sure we'll have a few words to say, hopefully positively, about how well the uh, award ceremony went but that aside yeah I'm, I'm doing very well i've got my usual uh cup of tea my caffeinated beverage to see me through i must know though how are you are you keeping florida safe and well yeah i'm doing okay it's been a long kind of a day today um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm approaching my spring break my week off uh this weekend nice. so i'm ready like you know the last couple of days and it's we're in that weird there's this weird thing i don't know if this happens in the uk but in the states when a vacation is about to start, some people start their vacation early. early so like, yes. it, it blows my mind. Brain so like does if, anyway. Yeah. Like, well, yes. But as far as like, if you know your vacation starts Saturday and then you're like, well, I'm not going to come to school Friday. It's like, well, no, the vacation starts on Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait till Saturday. And they're like, Oh no. Cause this, this, this. And it's like, and I know there are some legitimate reasons why like you can get a cheaper plane ticket. Sometimes if you fly out a day early or whatever. So, I get if it's a cost thing, especially in today's economy, but it, it mm-hmm. is like, as a teacher, it's frustrating. Cause like I'm the nine weeks ends on Friday. So I'm trying to work them until Friday, but then I have kids like, well, I won't be here cause we're going to Alabama or whatever. And it's like, um, pretty sure you're... you've got school that day. Yeah. You still have school. Like, but you know, I can't, if a parent's deciding that it's their call, but for me, I, I work till my vacation starts. And if I need it to start earlier then I would start it earlier, you know, I'd like legitimately like put the request in or whatever, but yeah, it's whatever. You can't do that over here. My friend, you can't take time off school. You get, uh, the parents get fined if you take the kids out of school over here in the UK. So really, um, which is, it's it's, it's to, well, well, let's be honest. A lot of it is to make sure that the school's attendance numbers are high so they can Mm -hmm. get whatever funding it is. Fair, fair enough. The school that my daughter goes to is very good. Uh, as in terms of the teachers they're great and what they learn at the curriculum is excellent so fair enough but um yeah if you want to take your kid on holiday let's say i wanted to go next week i would have to i can't remember what it is now but it's you know i don't know it's 50 pounds a day or what but if you take your kid out of school you, you, you get fined and then of course it goes against them and the counter wow. is of course you, you if you want to take your kid away during the holidays or go anywhere the prices shoot up because the travel companies know full well it's the holidays and people want to go on holiday. And sp- certainly for teachers, that's their kind of time to go away. Damn, do those prices shoot up quicker than you can see and more than you can afford as well. So um, I totally get, get you there, my friend. And um, hopefully your week, next week your week off, is it? It is, yep. Uh starts on Saturday officially, technically Friday at, you know, 3 o'clock when the last bell rings, but... Exactly. Um, um, no, that's well. I, 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 that's, that's handy then. Yeah, I've got. I, I'm off Monday because it's, it's Oscar, Oscars and Sunday. Because, like we mentioned before, I'm actually going to try and stay up to watch it. And um, any, anything we decide to do or not, I've got the day off the next day. So um, at least one of the days I will be sharing in your spring break. 
Nice. Uh, we might have to make that the recording day or something. Make it easy, you know. There we go, my friend. Um, right. Well, we've already seen tonight's film, and that's why we're recording this episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Each week, we take the biggest film of the week, or sometimes the only film actually released, or just one we find interesting, and we talk about it in a non-spoiler fashion on this show, and then we release generally a spoiler minisode the following Monday for this film, of course. We're going to need to have to do that because we're talking about Creed 3 tonight, directed by Michael B. Jordan in his uh, directorial debut, written by Keenan Kugler, Zach Balin and Ryan Kugler, who uh, obviously stepped aside for this one, having done the previous two. And it yeah, stars I think he's just Mike- got us. Sorry, I was going to say, I think he has a story credit uh, from Kugler, yes. uh, from Creed. Yes, yeah, he's uh, my man. He, he, he's you, There is some uh, Kuglerisms within this film, which are hard to ignore but uh, maybe not as many as i thought but of course we'll we'll get into that uh, michael b jordan stars alongside tessa thompson the, the wonderful jonathan majors wood harris felicia rashad and myla davis kent again no spoilers but the synopsis for this film adonis creed has been thriving in both his career and family life but when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces the face-off is more than just a fight very intense there very over the top i love it um the creed films have been doing they they generally do decent business at the box office you know they're not they don't blow the doors off but they make good money and generally make their money back creed 3 is currently sitting 105 million 106 million after uh five days give or take of release which uh i don't think is a is a bad return on a film which has a 75 million dollar budget so it's going to be fine but what do the critics say about this and the fans currently as of today the film has an 87 percent rotten tomato critic score and a 96 percent audience score metacritic has this at 74 the imdb user score is 7.4 out of 10 and letterbox has this at 3.8 out of 5 with its users and if you want to watch creed 3 you're gonna to have to roll up to your local theater because it's the only place you can see it as of now so if you can do it all being well Check out Creed 3 in the theatre. Now, when we have a film like this, whether it's a franchise film or a series or a trilogy, we always kind of give our top level overall thoughts on the franchise as a whole. For me, I, and I, 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 actually, I think me and John are on the same level here, but I'll, I'll, give him, I'll allow him to answer this as well. But for me, Creed, Creed, the first film, I think 2015, is excellent. The first Creed is fantastic. The second one isn't second one just good the second one is is a, it's a good film it feels like the most uh, uh it feels like the most over the top one in terms of it. It, it, it it's playing on the rocky stereotypes and some of the worst rocky stereotypes where it got very throughout the 80s when it got very dramatic and very cartoony obviously but creed managed creed 2 kept it grounded but you couldn't get over the fact that for me it wasn't a patch on the first film Third film we'll mention in a minute, but JB, the, the first two Creed films now, what mm-hmm. what are your relationship with them? Exactly the same. I've actually only seen Creed 2 once, um, mm-hmm. so I feel like maybe I need to rewatch it. Um, I did watch like a recap before seeing 3. Yes. But I have seen the first Creed so many times because I, I tend to teach it to my first year students. Oh, um, I choose it over Rocky. Uh, I think the the filmmaking is a little more modern. I always show like the I kind of do like a recap of the whole Rocky franchise, 
Um, so they get at least a sense of who Rocky is as a character, but then they join Adonis. It's a more familiar uh, setting and time period for them. Um, I love the first Rocky, which I know we're not talking Rocky, but I, I love the first Rocky film. I like the the series. I've actually never seen Balboa all the way through, though. Um, it's good. And I, I saw five in theaters as a kid, and I just won't rewatch it because it's, you know, it's notoriously bad. I don't, I don't um, mind it as much anymore, five. It, it is not great, but I love what they're going for in that film. But um, I, I love Creed, and I think Stallone is the, the Rocky in Creed is the best version of Rocky since the first film. Um, mm-hmm. I think the the character, it, he grows so much. There's so much in that. I love the filmmaking in, in Creed. Um, and two felt like it didn't appreciate the characters as much to me. Like it was so much more focused on the boxing and the, the kind of the novelty of it all. Yes. Um, and especially that, like you said, the, the throwback is obviously Creed references Rocky one and two quite a bit. And the relationship of uh, Apollo and Rocky in three yes, uh, that ultimately, I mean, it's the first four Rockies are really what matters in the franchise as far as the overall story. And I think uh, Creed two is so focused on just rehashing four. Um, yeah. It, it feels a lot. And I, I really think Tessa Thompson's character suffers in two. Um, 100%. I think she, she's so prominent and so important in the first film. And in the second film, she's just there. And, uh, that was really disappointing to me because I loved the relationship with, um, her and, and Michael B. Jordan's Adonis in the first film. But yeah, so big fan of both of the, uh, the big fan of the first film. Um, and I, again, I don't think the second film's bad. It's just, I had so much hype going in and, and I, I do think it hurt not having, a, um, I don't think the filmmaker is an auteur of the same way that Coogler is. And now the question is, is Michael B. Jordan an auteur filmmaker versus just a dude making a movie, which is what I don't even remember the director's name. And I've looked it up like four times. I cannot, he's only really done, uh, Creed 2 and then there's like one other movie that's not bad but it's also kind of the same very journeyman directing style uh, you know? Stephen Capel Jr. yes I forget uh, if he's made anything else even worth mentioning or not I feel like he I made something else the new Transformers film which is slightly oh, worrying gosh I hope it's yeah. I, I again it wasn't bad though so maybe even a, a, a decent Transformer film might be better than some of the bad Michael Bay versions right like Bumblebee I like Bumblebee yeah and that's Travis Knight yeah, but uh, there you go. Um, so we're both up on the the Creed franchise as a whole. Like you, I don't think the second film's bad by any means. It is just a notable, notable step down. Now, I love boxing films. I don't know what it is about them. I love the Rocky films, all of them, even the bad ones. Uh, and I actually think these Creed films make Rocky Five retrospectively better, uh, which is a feat in and of itself. Um, Million Dollar Baby is one of my favourite films of all time. It's just so yep. it's excellent. So I'm always going to be swayed to, to boxing films, similarly to how I am with horror. There's something about going to watch a boxing film in a cinema. It just gets me, especially one with those ties to Rocky. But of course, Creed 3 now, by this point, we're in the third film of Adonis's journey. And Sylvester Stallone has got nothing to do with this film. He, he's you know listed as a producer, which seems more like a thanks for the memories kind of um, gesture more than anything. But what do I think about Creed 3, JB? I think Creed 3 is damn good. I think Creed 3 is damn good. It's not perfect it, 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 to do that horrible thing where every critic does. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I do think it's better than the second one. It, but it's not far off the first one, if you know what I mean. I, th- I think this is very well done, especially when you consider this is Jordan's directorial debut. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned obviously the alternatives of it all earlier on. Did, you know, this, this 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 film doesn't strike me that you know Jordan has an auteur's touch. There are some Ooh. very striking imagery or moments in this, which he has said are influenced by uh, things like anime, which I think mm-hmm. are, is an excellent uh, thing to kind of add into your boxing movie, given the kind of the dramatic. Dr- I can't even ever say the word, but the dramatic style of those fights. And this film in itself is dramatic. It's an exciting film at times. And it takes its time to delve into the backstory of Adonis Creed just that bit more with the introduction of Jonathan Major's character, Dame Anderson. Now, this dude spent 18 years in jail for a crime. I'm not going to say what on this particular episode, but he's out now and he wants to connect with Adonis. And if anyone's seen the trailers and you know exactly where this is going to go, but... um, I, I, li- I did like this film, JB. I think I think Michael B. Jordan is... he's he's. He, he owns this role now. He gets he slips into this like you know a mm-hmm. boxer's hand slipped into his glove. He, he's very good in this. Tessa Thompson is wonderful in this. Um, the young the young actress who plays their daughter, I think, was wonderful. Myla yes. Davis Kent as Amaro is she's such a cutie pie and uh, so and charming she, and so charming, so natural as well. You know, yes, such a natural presence on screen. And her dynamic with, especially uh, Adonis Creed, uh, was mm-hmm. was stunning. And also, but also the way she is with um, Tessa Thompson's character in the film uh, Bianca, really, re- really good performance. But come on, John, you, we, you know what's coming next. We we all know who is the big daddy of this film again, and it's becoming almost trite or cliche or conventional to say now. But Jonathan Majors is excellent in this film. John, he has mm-hmm. a presence. He has a way about him where his performance could at any other time be almost like parody or over the top or a bit daft, a bit goofy at times, but he has a presence about him. There's something about him. He has a control. He has such a control over his craft that the character of Dame is at times, at times OTT. He's at times, he's at times terrifying. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he's not a one-dimensional flat-track bully or baddie in this film, not whatsoever. There's a re- you get to see beneath the layers, and there's a warmth to him at times. There's a friendliness to him at times, as much as there is a you know a burning determination to achieve what he thinks was taken from from him. Jonathan Majors is very good in this, and similarly to Ant Man, you know, like when, when the time comes for him to pull the gloves on, I, I don't really want this guy to lose because I. I kind of get it at points. Such as the charisma of the performance. I'm like, I really like this guy. Um, but of course, in a boxing fight, there can only be one winner. And I'm not going to say who that is. The winner is the audience, John, me and you. But, um, so I think it's a very good directorial effort from Jordan. He's not quite Kugler. I don't like having to say that, but it's hard not to um, compare. But it's a very solid uh, direction here. There's some really, really stylish moments especially within the fights there's uh especially one moment which i think is you know groundbreaking almost for this genre yeah in, in one of the fights so generally it's not something you see and i don't know how the world takes it but that's I the big question was, yeah yes i think you i think we're on the same wavelength here i thought it was brilliant you know to to do what they did and i will elaborate this on this mini so yeah. but to do what they did was pretty ballsy at the time and for me mm-hmm. it worked for me it really worked um also boxers in these films can take an unholy amount of damage an unholy amount of damage which i've i've always loved from the first rocky film to now that you know, these guys are taking jackhammer's anvil punches to the face and just keep on going um i 
I some of the directorial flourishes I thought were a bit overkill. Some of the sl- use of slow motion I thought was a bit too much and a bit too kind of in your face at times. Um, the way that the climactic battle comes about I thought was a little bit. Oh, it was I was on the fence about how it all came about. There's echoes of the first Rocky film, but whereas that film felt it felt organic in the sense that it was all just a big show and a big parade for Apollo Creed's talent. The way the fight comes about here, I did think was a, just a bit of a stretch again, spoiler mini sewed for that. Um, but no, other than that, JB, I know I'm, I'm kind of, a lot of this film does reside in the spoilery zone for me, but I think yeah. the performances are very good. I think the action nine times out of 10, 90% of it at least is done very well. I do get the anime-ness of it all. Uh, I think the drama is handled well. Uh, it's not really much. I didn't like JB. I just have niggles here and there. Rocky Balboa, though, he is very much an afterthought, which is very odd. And again, there's one particular reason I want to mention on the spoiler minisode, which I will save now. But I thought this film's really good, John. I've got a, again, a, few, a few minor quibbles here and there. Uh, the runtime was great as well. But what did you think? Is this uh, is this a knockout from Jordan? It, it is. Um, I nice. was really apprehensive going in, um, especially because I didn't love two and I love Creed so much. I was really worried knowing it's Jordan's uh, debut had me excited, especially there was a lot of uh, talk that um, Den- Denzel, uh, which is according to Denzel Washington, the correct way of saying his name, uh, gave him a lot of tips when they were filming Journal for Jordan a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that had me both hopeful and not because not every Denzel uh, direction has been great. Um, But obviously Denzel is a really great actor and I'm going to push back a little bit though. I do think for a first film, there's a lot of signs of an auteur filmmaker to me. He has a very Mm -hmm. distinctive style and you brought up a lot of those things. That's why I was surprised when you said, not sure if it's an auteur voice. I think it's, it's clear his influences. I I was leaning towards like an Edgar Wright or a Tarantino style auteur where it's a lot more postmodern their referential um the difference being instead of pulling from movies he's pulling from anime which is cool to see um because so much the every attempted live action anime has been generally hated right like there's not a yeah, good example luster for the most part uh and so seeing him be able to pull in elements into a boxing genre film was impressive and uh, without getting into all of the things that he does, um, there is one that when I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is cool for me. I don't know if traditionalists are going to like this or not. And yeah. that's what you alluded to as well. Absolutely. But, uh, I definitely think Jordan is, is coming out swinging that he is mm-hmm. a director with a, with a vision. Like he has a goal. And what I think makes this one stand up so much above number two is Jordan clearly gets the characters, not only his, but the other ones and the relationships that connect them. Uh, Felicia Rashad is the only uh, old school character returning, right? Um, From the original Rocky franchise to now. Yes. I think. Um, And uh, I think, you know, the the relationship with her has always been such a a crucial one for this franchise and making sense of it. Um, And I really like that. I, I think they do a good job with making three about Adonis and not about Adonis and Rocky. Like Rocky is no longer necessary because at this point in Adonis's career, he's, he's the established veteran. Now he doesn't need the mentor in the same way that we've had in the other two films. And I think that makes sense. 
Um, I think this movie does a good job of rewarding fans of the of the Creed franchise because there's mm-hmm. references and there's returning characters that just have small parts. But if you're a fan of the franchise, you'll be like, oh, cool. I'm glad they brought this back. I like this little element, little nod here, little nod there. Uh, Tessa Thompson's character, great. But uh, I don't think enough can be said about Mila Davis. Can I'm not familiar. I haven't done any research to see if she's actually deaf um, or if she is. if she's acted in other stuff. But normally for child performances, you give that to the director. And for a first-time director, if he is the reason we get this performance from a young actress, wow. You know, like, it, it just speaks maybe volumes of his character that he's able to do that. And if it's not him, whoever has made her that natural and organic on screen, impressive. Because so many child performances would not feel that way, right? And there is even like the, there's a moment when she's at school, we get to see that. I just think it's so fun. And yet, you know, you're like, Oh, but the way it's presented Jordan's decision of how he shoots that scene, I think is really powerful and how that d- goes with the story. I do think some of the story gets short shrift at the end. Um, but I, I think he, I think everything gets tied up, but some of it feels like it's going to be much more important. And then it's trimmed out. And that might be because of time, um, maybe there was shots that we don't see to like keep it to a two hour runtime, but nothing that made this movie um bad to me. The only thing, and I have not been able to confirm or deny, but you know, uh, with um the Mandalorian and um a lot of the the Disney Plus stuff, they're using the uh the, the screen, volume. I, the volume. Um, some of this looks like it's on the volume. I have not been able to confirm that that's the case, but. Yes, there are, I know what you mean, yeah. There are some shots where, like, the separation of the background and the characters, you know it's not really in a... Like, I know they're not casting a million people to fill a, a boxing arena for, like, a 30-second scene, but it looks bad at, in some of those scenes. And I don't know if that's a Jordan thing, if that's a budget thing, if that is maybe the new techniques. And that's why I'm blaming the volume, because if it is the volume, we've seen it look bad. If it's just chroma keying, green screen stuff that we've been doing for years, then it's just really badly done. Um, and it's not even... In shots where you would expect it, it's like like there, there's a close up, and it's just the separation is so bad that you can tell yes. it's on a set and uh, or not on a set. It is on a green screen or something, and you know it's it, nothing that again that breaks the movie, but it was like oh that doesn't look as good as it should, especially yeah. for you know I I think I could have done as good a job with my limited equipment in my classroom, and that says something, right? Like I shouldn't uh-huh. be able to say that. Like it should look better and i don't know again whose fault that really is or if that's a new technique and that's why because the volume has become a controversial form of filmmaking at this point i think a lot of people don't like the way it looks so um whatever that is but yeah i i had a great time with this film i actually want to go see it again um which has not happened this year uh right now like it's very early but i think this is my favorite film of the year so far um I don't know if I don't, I hope it doesn't hold because there, there's so many movies I want to see this year. Of no course. offense to Creed three, but like I got John wick chapter four and I got, um, oh, uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. And like, there's so many things I can't wait for. I, I would be impressed if Creed three lasts all 12 rounds, so to speak. But, um, it right now, I think it, I think it's great. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go check it out and then listen to our spoiler episode that's coming out in a few days. Dude, I'm digging all the boxing puns. I'm not going to lie at all there. You know, ring the bell, we're done. Um, just about, though. Yeah, I, I do agree with what you say about Jordan in terms of his vision. I think he has a vision, and I think 
given another film or uh, or two, then his any style or signature, sorry, that he does have will I think become more apparent in those. I'd like to see him do something which isn't Creed, if you know what I mean. Though, um, do yes. I'd love to see him do like a smaller film. And then kind of put his style on that, just so those flourishes become more Jordan esque. Because what what I saw was a very well directed film, but and I, I know what you mean about uh, Tarantino and Edgar Wright, and you know lots mm. of other directors. They wear their influences on their sleeve, but you know they for some of them anyway will then put just enough of their own spin on it. And I expect you know yeah. Jordan does that. You know, I mean, I'm not, he does do so, especially with the like we mentioned with the animeness of it all, but. Um, at times it did also feel just just a bit, you know, solid direction, but there's nothing wrong with that. I'd much rather have that and a very good story and some great performances than too many OTT stylistic flourishes to try and impress on your debut. Um, the one question I will ask you, though, John, because I'm glad that we both enjoyed this film. It's actually top of my list for the minute as well in terms of 2023, so let's see how long that lasts, but it's our top film of the year. Did this film, and I know you said, Rocky's journey's done with now in terms of the, the the films, but did this film need a bit of Rocky in there for that, you know, for that wistfulness or for whatever he could have bought? Or are we now in a place where these Creed films can stand on their own definitively? I mean, for me, I thought, I actually think if you add Rocky, this becomes overstuffed and it would have felt uh, like an unnecessary arc. Um, okay, yeah. In some ways, I do wish they had maybe... I think he, I think the way Creed two ends with Rocky kind of sitting back and watching um, the celebration instead of joining in is like the pin in the cushion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking away and it, it makes sense. And I think again, with the, the time that has passed from Creed two to Creed three, I think, uh, I think it's able to move away from Rocky and it still feel um, like it's of the universe, but it's like, I mean, at some point, yeah, he would move on. Rocky's done. Rocky's, I mean, what else could Rocky really offer? He was barely able to offer anything in Creed 2 as far as, like, he's getting too old to, like, hold the gloves and stuff. You know, it is. And now it's it's more years. So, like, it, I think it's a good t- way of, like, letting him go. And there's always the chance. Like, when the, when Creed was announced, we were all worried that they were pushing it too far, right? Yes. And then we were blown away with what Stallone delivered. And I think und- undoubtedly should have got that Oscar. Uh, no offense to Mark oh, Rylance, yeah. but I really think that it, it was the right time to give it to Stallone and not getting it is, is kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this movie's good without him. I, there could be a version that was great. I just feel like maybe we would have been pushing it too much. Would we have leaned in harder to like another, like, rocky five like where we have to reference the fighter from rocky five or is he like oh this is just like the one time like i I think this is such a personal story for adonis it makes sense to not have rocky kind of wedging in between you know yeah no of course you've got to eventually bring an end to that storyline or the character at some point surely so um Mm -hmm. creed 3 was the film to do that and as it turns out john and myself both really dug creed 3 but we're going to have more to talk about in the spoiler minisode so check back in on the bamp podcast feed on monday to hear us talk a little bit more about the the minutiae that we couldn't talk about tonight but again both Doug Creed 3. Now let's move on to our next segment, JB, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Here we both take a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention for any reason, and we share it with each and every one of you. So, oh wow. JB, what have you gone for this week? So, um, 
Oh no! Did you not look at what I did? Um, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, oh, um, that's funny. Uh, so mine is about Seth Rogen's new Ninja Turtles movie that um, uh, we got first photos, and then we have gotten a trailer. Um, the The voice cast in this is insane. Like Seth Rogen must have called like all of his friends, basically. Yes, but uh, I I've always loved the Ninja Turtles. I even I often diss and and make little jabs at Michael Bay. I like the Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles film. Uh, he did not direct. I like the the first one a lot. There are things of the second one I liked. I was disappointed mostly, but I, I still have fondness for that movie. I love the original two uh, from back in the in the late 90s, or I'm sorry, early 90s, late 80s. I grew up with that cartoon. I love that cartoon. And I've watched some of the cartoons because there's been so many different adaptations and stuff. I'm so hyped for this movie, though. Like, I wasn't. I was just like, oh, it's another one. It's not for me. I mm-hmm. have my turtles. Everyone else can enjoy. As soon as I saw this trailer, I'm like, nope, this is for me. This is 100% for me. I cannot wait to see this. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer, folks, look look for it. Uh, the, I mean, listen to this cast list. Jackie Chan as Splinter. Uh, Rose Byrne, I forget who she's playing, but she's in this. Ice Cube is somebody I, I'm excited for. Seth Rogen as Bebop. John Cena as Rocksteady. Uh, Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. I mean, just name after name after name. Um, And then the best part, I think, of this whole thing is they decided to cast legitimate teenage actors to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the trailer makes it seem like they're having a blast. Like, they're learning. They are, you know, they're ninjas, but they're, they're still teenagers. And I don't know that they've ever really tackled that. They've never felt like teenagers. They felt like 20-somethings, you know? This feels like 13-year-olds. And it's like, you give, who would give 13-year-olds katana blades? You know, like, it's not a good idea. <laughs> and that's the, like, I mean, they're essentially playing Fruit Ninja in the trailer, like, with real weapons. Like, it's, I'm, I'm excited about it. I like Seth Rogen. I even love, in the trailer, it says the perpetual teenager or something like that, Seth yes. Rogen. And it's like, yep, I, I 100% know exactly what they mean. Um, Seth Rogen... You know, we've seen him um, tackle the adult cartoon as with uh, Sausage Party. This seems like he's he really has toned it down a bit for <laughs> kids and adults. Like, I think this is going to be a movie that we all can enjoy, especially if you're a fan of the Turtles. Um, I know you've seen the trailer too, Matt. What are you thinking? Uh, I am a fan of the Turtles. I gr- grew up with the Turtles. Um, some of my first ever toys were the Teenage Turtles, of which I still have them to this day. I can see four of plushies from the early 80s late 80s sorry right over there i'm not letting them go anywhere um and i did see the trailer and i wasn't really bothered by the trailer before it came out the idea of it because i didn't like like the last few films haven't really grabbed me the um some of the animated that latest animated stuff hasn't really kind of won Mm. me over even i thought well yeah what has this got and Seth Rogen for me is hot and cold, like Sausage Party. And when I watched it, you know, I giggled when I watched it. But in hindsight, I no no real reason to ever want to watch that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just this one and done. But then I saw the trailer, and I thought this is great. I think I text John saying this is awesome. And you know, you got the you got the Spider Verse graph animation. This this new wave of animation which feels lifted straight from the comic books. You've got the actual teens voicing the Ninja Turtles who feel like teenagers, like they're stabbing themselves in the thigh by mistake and uh, the games they're playing and and the voice cast as well. Come on. I mean, this it, it feels like the fun is back. 
Now, um, the first film I ever saw was Secrets of the Use, Turtles 2 in the cinema. And, and I always, always remember that. So also, again, I'll always root for the turtles. And this feels like the first time in years where I thought, damn, it feels for me. And I know there's legions of fans out there who will be shouting now and saying, where have you been? Why haven't you read this issue or watched this episode? But for me, it feels like the turtles are back, man. For me, for yeah. this fan who's been there almost since day one. Uh, I never read the comics as a kid, but I was, you know, I used to watch the, the cartoon, the, the cartoon yep. series. I used to watch all the films. I used to have all the toys. Um, it feels like they're back and I'm very excited, JB. I concur with everything you just said. So, yep, I'm excited. Well, speaking about Seth Rogen, John, I didn't know you'd uh, had one about Seth Rogen, but he uh, had an interview uh, recently with, uh, I believe this is, oh, it's an, on, ep- on an episode of the Diary of a CEO podcast. Seth, Seth Rogen was speaking with the host, Stephen Bartlett. And this, this story is from Entertainment Weekly by Lester Fabian Braithwaite. And, um, the headline reads, Seth Rogen would like film critics to know the negative reviews hurts and are devastating. He then says, I think if most critics knew how much it hurts to people that major things that they are writing about, they would second guess the way they write these things, Seth Rogen said. Uh, and then it goes on to say he's made things or he's been a part of things like Superbad, Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, The End, 50-50, Sausage Party, and of course featured in the Oscar-nominated The Fablemans. So um, where did where did this come from? He was asked on the show, you know, about self doubt and how negative reviews play into his self doubt, and he said, you know, the the emphatically said the reviews do hurt. If they hurt everyone, he said it's devastating. I know people who never recover from it. Honestly, years of being hurt by film reviews. It's very personal. It's devastating when you are being institutionally told that your personal expression was bad. That's something that people carry with them literally their entire lives, and I get why. Um, I I picked this one, obviously, because we write film, and we try to be as, I'd like to think, we try to be as balanced as possible. Are there times when you are, I can speak for myself, are there times where I might get carried away or or, or let the fact that I really didn't like this film show? Yeah, there is, and and I will happily own that, because I do. Sometimes I watch something which just Obsessed. does not That's, work for me so it does yeah. it that upsets me like there's a film last year which i called abhorrent and then a couple of weeks later i had the guy the guy came on and did an episode of star wars sessions because he was doing something else i was like uh-huh, sorry but that was off air um but the, the i thought it was a really interesting uh discussion i know we haven't got the the whole evening because this is a big one but my a, 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 a you know fellow critic in the uk here clarice luffery she writes for the independent the, the, she's a lead film critic there she's a wonderful person i've met her many times at conventions over the years came she got she kind of summarized it really well i won't read out her full tweets i haven't got it but it was more a case of i get what you're saying at the same time but but at the same time it, you know the, the people are talking about your film and equated it to somebody given actual criticism or actual uh balanced opinions even if it's negative is different to somebody on Twitter being an absolute douchebag and saying, yeah. you suck, your film sucks. And I, I hope all this bad stuff happens to you. Now that to me is, that's what I've got when I, I listened to a bit of the, the, the clip and he doesn't say, you know, online film critics or bloggers or, or, or Twitter heads or anything like that. But I think there, for me, there is such a wave of the idea that anyone can be a critic, which is true, but you yeah. can go online now and see, you, d- you just type in hashtag anything, any film, and you'll see criticism for days, some valid, some absolute nonsense. But of course, 
it comes down to the individual. Some people can shake that off. Some people can't. If yeah. you know, we, we do this JB, this show. I love doing. I know you do too, and I hope everybody does. And of course, if somebody messaged in saying, "Hey guys, your show, your show's rubbish. You guys don't know what you're talking about. I hate you, and I hate your voices." And of course, it would sting, wouldn't it? You it would. You just be like, "Oh, yeah." I didn't really. I probably didn't want to hear that today, but you know, it depends who the person is and how they're saying it. it. That would be different to somebody saying, "Look, guys, I do like what you're saying, but this, you know, this isn't for me. You know, I've been a fan of this show for years, and I'm going to stick with it." Okay, fine. I get that. So I just thought it was an interesting thing for a filmmaker and a well-established filmmaker and actor Seth Rogen to come out and say uh, this particular comment, because he doesn't give any context as well. I'll say that now. Um, he mentioned what? obviously the Green Hornet and how the criticism to that mm. what didn't, didn't help him at all. But there isn't really any other context. He doesn't say when this film came out or, you know, certain, certain outlets are usually outspoken. It just seems to be a fairly general sprawling statement of which of course i'm on this on this on my on the critic side i think well as long as there's as long as there's a balance and a nuance to what's being written then i think criticism is fair i think it's needed but yes but then you get people who overstep that jb but then i also see from the personal mental health side of it nobody wants to be told their stuff that they've poured months or years into is is bad so you know what are you thinking about this I mean, I'll relate. So I I think often people forget that writing uh, criticism of any kind, whether it's film or music or just writing in general, Mm -hmm. is another artistic expression. Like every time we write a review, we are putting ourselves out there. We're putting our interpretations and our thoughts. And if someone disagrees with how we've interpreted something, they are quick to tell us how wrong we are just the same way uh, with interpreting a script and putting it onto uh, films we are doing to them. Yeah, I do think uh, sometimes it is personal. Not obviously, it's personal in the sense that we have made it, we have written it, we have created it, and anytime, if most of the time, we're not creating something with the intent of it being bad or you know received badly. We're hoping it's good and people like it, but of course, the nature of things, everyone won't. But some people are intentionally cruel for their own sake of entertainment, right? Because or clicks. Well, that, that's just it, right? Like, r- we don't write reviews for a vacuum. We we do a podcast. We write them with the hopes that people will read them and enjoy them or embrace them. Mm-hmm. And some people, like some comics, will use foul language just to get a rise out of people, or they'll say something yep. really awful just to get a rise out of people. Shock jocks made it, you know, Howard Stern, uh, Bubba the Love Sponge from Florida, unfortunately, um, have made their career with doing that thing. And I think there's definitely a section of film criticism that is that, and it's not just Twitter critics. I wish it was, but there is no, the advent of blogs removed gatekeeping from film criticism, right? Anyone yes. can start one. I am proof of it. I believe you of could course. say the same. I would, we decided yeah. to be critics. Um, but to, to put it in, I'm currently also writing for big tuna's website, disappointment media. Um, and even I've known, I mean, it was his teacher. I've known him for a long time, but when I uh, decided and asked if I could write on his site as well, he was quick to be like, just so you know, I will be blunt and tell you if yeah. I don't want, like what you're saying. And I'm like, I, I appreciate that. And I understand I, I do, but it doesn't mean every time I turn something in, I'm not holding my breath. Like, I don't want that, that message of this is terrible. What were you thinking? Of course. It hasn't happened yet, but I know it's a possibility because there are sometimes when I watch a movie and I don't have a lot to say, 
and other times I have so much to say, but um, I, I get where he's coming from. And like you said, most of us don't take criticism well, um, even if we want it, even if we want feedback, we want feedback that makes us feel good. Of course. And when it doesn't, it's hard to accept. And again, when you look at Seth Rogen's career, I can pinpoint things that I bet he has read that are not necessary. Jonah Hill has been even more vocal about this, but Jonah Hill has had interesting fluctuations with his look, right? Yes. And some people focus so much on on body shaming and things like that. When that's not criticizing the film, that's criticizing the person. And there is a difference. And, you know, um, even the spirit in which we approach criticism, are we looking to uh, shun a film? Are we looking to hurt a film? Most of the time, I think you and I, we don't do that. We're looking at it as it didn't work for us. Here's why it didn't work for us. Um, and we've been pretty careful about not being harsh on like child actors. Of course, um, yeah. there, there was someone recently, I can't remember a critic got, uh, Oh, um, the, the Razzies. That's right. Yeah. We mentioned that, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. And that's a really great example. That's, that was mean for the sake of being mean, the Razzies in general, right? Like the whole existence of it is cruel. Yeah. And I definitely think there are critics who have that same mindset. It's like, how can I get clicks? I will, uh, rip, part someone's movie i will rip apart an actor i will rip apart their whole retrospective and it's like you know i do think we have this separation because they are on screen that they're not real people and that they don't have feelings or that we expect because they're a celebrity that they have to have tougher skin and i don't know if that's right like do they have to like do they have to take abuse from everybody for everything for like the way they said a word or like i mean i love keanu reeves but how many times have i made fun of his inferno from Bram Stoker's it, Dracula? Yeah. and i'm sure he, he probably looks at it and laughs or maybe he thinks that's a great british accent but i definitely have mocked it and i love him as an actor i think he's great i go see movies because he's in them but i also think he has a, a limited range and i will comment on that always yep Kevin Smith, I've cited many times as one of my favorite directors, but I think Yoga Hosers is not a good movie. I don't think it's a good example of what he's capable of. And my review for it is maybe a little more scathing than I normally would write because I've followed his career so intently and so actively. Um, but like you said, I think we try to not be intentionally cruel or hurtful. That's not to say something we write might still hit that. You know, I've written reviews and been like, oh man, I don't want. I don't want this person to ever read it. I hope they don't. And I try exactly. not to tag people in those type of reviews. Yeah, I think um, that's but what I, it comes down to as well. Just don't. If if you don't like the film, just don't tag the person. If you want, if you want them to see it because it's a good one, tag them. But yeah, maybe just don't if it's negative. Yeah, especially if it's cruel, right? Like, I mean, negative might be. Here's what I thought was better, and some. I think there's definitely some some film people who have read a, a review and and tried to take that into consideration. You know, maybe it's, it's for the best. And other times maybe it's, it's bad. I, I, it didn't sound like he was saying, don't criticize to me. And I think that's a, a important distinction. It sounded like just maybe be mindful of that, especially in the internet and with, with social media. Cause even if we don't tag them, someone else may be like, Hey, have you seen what so-and-so said? Yeah. And so like, maybe just be aware that like what you're writing, even if you are a super small publication, can trickle up to the to the people who you're talking about and really think are you saying that 
cruel thing to get people to click on your article or because you genuinely think it's, I don't know. Cause it's, it's hard to decide. Like, does someone really, do you really think that person needs to hear that? And it's like, maybe you do I, think I, that. I don't and maybe think that's sometimes they believe their own words. Yeah. yeah. I think so I think a lot of it's just, some of it is performative because we live in a world where you can monetize that. Now, like you said, having, being able to have a blog opens up the door to anyone now to have a voice. But having a blog also opens up the opportunity for anyone to monetize their voice and YouTube as well. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, you do have to sometimes wade through to find those who can balance negative criticism with, you know, actual criticism as well, not just like Keanu Reeves. I mean, not to labor the point, but yeah, I mean, Keanu is Keanu. We all love him. He's not the best actor in the world. He may even say that with a, with a smirk on his face, but there's a difference between saying that and that British accent was awful to then coming out and, you know, attacking his character or saying he's an absolute yeah. piece POS actor, blah, blah. So, you know, this, this, there is a way to do it, you know, and there, there's a reason why some of the best film critics out there have been doing it for years and years and decades because they get it. And there's, there's a reason why you follow certain ones and so do I. And, and we do this show because we're aligned in that sense that by all I mean, means critique, but. You know, I don't know about you, but I've read a lot of uh, like old school critics stuff, especially in an effort to be a better critic myself. Uh, Ebert, Malton, um, especially those two are are two film critics that I adore and have like, yeah, really looked. Titans. Ebert could be vicious, very when he wanted to be right, and like some of that stuff I've read, I'm like, wow, dude, why did you feel like you had to say such cruel things? And we got to remember, he was a TV personality; he needed ratings, and I do think there's there's a performative quality about it, right? Like there's this element where sometimes you're going to say something harsher. And Tuna, if you're listening, some of the stuff Tuna says, I'm just like, dude, you're saying that to get clicks. Like, there's no way you <laughs> you have that strong of opinion of something. Like, he's a damn good writer. Yeah. And again, it's not even that it's wrong, but like when you, when you stumble upon a phrase or a, uh, an idea that maybe you haven't seen any other critics say, we, we link, we cling to it, right? Because it becomes our mark. This is how we get our, our place in the sun for this idea. And, um, it's interesting. I, I, I think it's, you know, uh, I kind of, I respect Seth Rogen for saying that. Cause I, how many, filmmakers and our actors have felt that and never felt mm-hmm. that they could say it probably out of fear of re- you know retaliation that people were, oh really wait till i write my next review guy yeah. you know or just people saying oh you know look at this look at this guy whining from his ivory yeah. tower or so you know silly silly takes you get like that um yeah you're right actually so some of those i remember reading some of the old reviews of star wars for one of the sessions episodes when we covered like what did the world think of this film like empire back in the day Damn, some of the, uh, I think it's just because of a different use of language as well. But damn, some of them were, uh, would today would be, would be clickbaity in, in, in the things that they say. So it's kind of, it's always been there, the need for eyes on your review. But there, today it just feels like it's a bit more pronounced, which is, which is a shame that someone's had to come out and say it. But I agree with you, JB. It's good that Seth Rogen has come out and said it. Not to smash critics into the ground, but to say, you know, look, is it necessary to to be to say this is and this? Probably not. So no, I, I yeah, I'm I, I think it's important thing to say for Cassess Rogan, but I also think it's important to know the difference between nuance or crit- critique and mm-hmm. the the other type of criticism. So uh, a good shout there, JB, as ever. Now JB's usually got a good shout in our next segment. 
media consumption. Here we talk about the films, TV series, video games, music, the podcast, which aren't ours. Whatever we have been indulging in to pass the time since the last episode, JB's always got a full bag. What you been checking out, my friend? So, as per usual, uh, Blank Check Podcast dropped. This was a special episode. I thought it was going to be the Danny Boyle's Millions episode, but instead it was their Blank Check Awards, the Blankies. Um, like we do ours at the beginning of the year. They wait a couple months until it's closer to the Oscars. Uh, they mostly just do the big stuff. Um, but that episode dropped. Good episode. Uh, mm-hmm. They also tend to uh, try to like include performances and, and movies that aren't eligible for the Oscars. Not, yeah. not, I'm sorry, not eligible, but aren't already getting recognition somewhere else. They're trying to give like a voice to the voiceless, so to speak. So they had some interesting stuff on their list. I, I highly recommend it. Again, if you've never listened to Blank Check Podcast, despite me literally talking about it every week for like the last two years, I highly recommend checking it out. And I think the Blankies episode is a good one. Um, it's a good way okay. to... Uh, you know, jump into the show, get a, get a vibe for the personalities. There is a third host uh, for the Blankies that he's done that every year. I forget his name right now, um, but he's not usually on the, the regular episode. So I guess that's one reason not to start there, but it's always Griffin and David and another person 90% of the time. Um, so it still gives you a kind of idea of the flow of the show, but um, and then their men in black, their, uh, their Patreon series are doing the men in black movies uh so men in black 2 commentary just dropped uh man that that second men in black was so disappointing um yeah considering how great the first men in black movie is but um caught some movies uh caught a a film that is um gonna be out next week on vod called wildflower uh i had a screener for it uh my review will drop next week as well uh but i really enjoyed it it is a coming of age story uh it's based on a true story um, it's uh, I forget the cast right now, but it's good. Look up Wildflower uh from 2022, I think is what's listed because it was in some festivals. Uh, I watched Millions, Danny Boyle's film for the first time. Um, good movie. Uh, better than some of his other stuff that doesn't quite click. Have you ever seen Millions? I haven't. No. So it's kind of funny to me because I had not seen um Shallow Grave until a few weeks ago, and it's like Shallow Grave. For kids, like it is, there is a very similar setup where the young kid finds a bag of money, and then what do you do with the money? Kind of becomes the the premise, which is you know shallow grave. They come across a bag of money because <laughs> a drug dealer dies in their house with a bag of money, and they're like, "Hey, what do we do with this?" Um, and obviously, when a lot of money just shows up, somebody wants it, right? Like somebody it's, else out there knows it exists. Lost that money, or yeah. Yeah, so Millions has a similar premise um, in that way, uh, but it's much more heartfelt. It's not because that's the thing. Shallow Grave is very nihilistic and and like the humans suck. Uh, Millions is almost the opposite. It's this <laughs> optimistic uh, saint. Saint. This kid is obsessed with saints, um, like religious figure saints, and it's it's interesting. Um, good movie. Uh, I caught Guy Ritchie's new film, Operation Fortune. Colin Ruse de Guerri. I'll take it. Um, man, I've liked a lot of Guy Ritchie stuff. I've also been angry at so much Guy Ritchie stuff. Operation Fortune, good fun. Kind of hope this becomes a franchise. Like, oh, wow, oh, let's wow. let's do two or three more of these films, dude. Aubrey Plaza's like Guy Ritchie must have seen her in something and been like, I'm just gonna let her do her thing because she's Aubrey Plaza in this like whole hog, <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, Hugh Grant in this late stage of his career has really embraced being um, 
like a villain type character. Like Paddington too. He's so good in this dude. Carrie Elwes is born to play Basil Exposition from Austin Powers. Like he is so like spot on for the vibe of that type of character. Uh, The first part of this movie is very much like exposition dump because they're trying to like fill you in on a whole bunch of things that does do not exist, but we're supposed to know about like, this is this organization and these things happen. But man, once it gets going, Statham's just in his zone. He's doing the Statham thing. If you like Statham, you're going to like this. If you don't like Statham, you're going to hate this because he's doing the Statham thing. He's How's like, his Rudy, uh, eh, you know, okay. it's, it's, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have to talk a lot. His character's kind of chill, but he's okay. also like, he's a spy. Um, a spy might not be the right word. It's this organization that like they do spy type stuff, but it's also ultimately like, I'm going to kick your butt and, uh, see what happens. But I'm also, I don't mean, it's just fun. It's a fun movie. It's very Guy Ritchie. The dialogue's there. He just doesn't have to say a lot, but it's, it's, you know, he's used well. Ritchie knows how to use Statham. I think pretty spot on. Um, fun movie super fun um i rewatched scream five in preparation for scream six holds up scream. real good yes 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 um then uh over at matt's website i will uh have a you should watch article dropping soon about uh bo burnham's directorial debut eighth well feature film debut uh eighth grade and i was writing about it and i was like you know what? i think i'm just gonna watch it and I was like writing my review or not my review, but my recommendation while rewatching mm-hmm. it. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I saw it a few times. I really like that movie a lot, man. I, I don't, I've heard some people don't like it or they, I think it's, it's, it induces anxiety in some, because that's what the movie's doing. And for me, yes. I appreciate that. Um, it's awkward. It's, it feels like being a teenager watching it. And also because the father is such a prominent figure, it also feels like being a dad and like what it is to like worry about your kid and be concerned yeah. and trying to figure out how to help them, but not smother them and not get pushed away, but also not be, you know, too, too involved so that they have their independence and that, 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 you know, juggling is so complicated. And I think the movie just captures that in every way. And I love it. Um, and so it's my, you should watch recommendation for this week. Um, and then I saw Scream 6, which I will say nothing about God. until next week. Any reason why, John? Oh, you know, it's a movie that's, one, it's not, when you're hearing this, it's not officially <laughs> out yet. You haven't seen it yet. And uh, the Scream movies, there's always a sense of mystery and reveal. So it's better to go in not knowing anything if you can. I, I'm 100% on that train, JB. I can't wait to check it out and s- have the discussion of you, my friend. Then um, I finished Andor. Um, I love I love the ending. Uh, I th- I Cassian mm-hmm. really wins me over. I I think how it ends without spoiling uh, the ending, but like the last sequence, I think it's so powerful. And I was really like, I'm like, give me season two. I'm ready for season two. Um, I am because I, I think how it ends is like, okay, now we're getting started. Like season one is great. It's its own thing. But season two is like, you know, that's when you're going to get like the really crazy Cassian stuff where like, this is where he earns who he is when we meet him in rogue one. Right. Like I think season one is like getting him to the point where he can become that Cassian. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Season two takes place in the four years between, well, season one and rogue one. But it's going to cover those four years as well. That's Tony Gilroy has said that in multiple interviews. Mm-hmm. 
the second season, the arcs are pretty much going to cut each three episode arc is pretty much going to be a year leading up to oh, Rogue One. So it's going to have to do it, but good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm glad I finally watched it. I haven't started Mandalorian season three because I wanted to finish Andor first. So I mm-hmm. will be getting into Mandalorian soon. Although there's so many shows that I really want to jump into right now. I don't know That's what to many. do. I feel overwhelmed by it. So um, that said, I've been watching last of us. Uh, episode eight is fantastic. Um, I'm excited for nine, but I'm also a little sad that it's ending. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I've, I've really enjoyed last of us. Yeah, it's been fantastic, isn't it? And um, the, yeah, the, the the story that they adapt from the game in this episode, damn, now we know who the villains really are in this Last of Us world. But one more to go, JB, and I certainly hope the finale is everything you hope it is going to be. I hope so, too. Have you been playing any games you, this week, JB? Uh, well, I guess I can talk about it. I, I'm still playing Ragnarok. I, I didn't get as much time this weekend to play it as I had. Um, but I'm I'm definitely close to the end. Uh, I'm planning on beating it over spring break for sure. Fantastic. I didn't want to leave I didn't want to leave it off in case you got to some major moment you wanted to talk about, but um no, glad to hear that you can take some time off and play one thing video games can do, unless they're like Silent Hill, is they give you that bit of escapism just to sit down and immerse yourself in the world and just Forget about what's going on in reality for that little bit, unless it's something like Silent Hill where it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and I actually cut, and I finish more on edge than I maybe was before. Um, this week, what have I been checking out? The HBO's Last of Us podcast. Been listening to that again, as I said last week. It's hosted by Troy Baker, who appears in this episode. And he sits down each week with Neil Druckmann, the game creator and co producer of the show, alongside Craig Mazin, the other co producer, the writer of Chernobyl. And they just dissect and break down the episode that was what, you know, their reasons for deviations from the game or for sticking so rigidly to it. The character motivations, why they cast said person, uh, why they decided for this technical aspect. Very interesting. Again, 30 to 45 minutes are pretty snippy, but are well worth a listen if you're interested in the behind the scenes of the show. Uh, films. I watched a few films this week, JB. I watched um, Scream. Scream 5, Scream 2022, like you did in preparation for Scream 6. We're actually recording this a day or so early because I'm going to see Scream 6 on the day we'd usually record on the evening, and I missed out on the the, the multimedia screening because I had prior arrangements. So I, um, having to watch it later on in the week, either way, I'm very excited. I love Scream films, JP, even the bad ones. But then, to be fair, Scream 3 is a bit bum, but I don't mind it still. I, I like that world. Uh, Scream I, 5 holds up, man. I think 3 aged better than a lot of movies would have because I think its commentary on trilogies when it came out didn't make as yeah. much sense as it does now. It yeah. still has some of the worst elements of it. And but hair. It's still... I, I think, man, without talking about 6, just so if we look at the first 5, you go with any horror franchise with 5 or more movies... Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a better one than Scream, dude. Like, a lot of them get real bad real fast, right? Like, very, Nightmare on Elm very Street, interesting. You know, the first time on Elm Street, great. Third Nightmare on Elm Street, great. But there's some bad ones there, right? Friday the 13th, same way. There's some, like, terrible ones in there. <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Let's not even get started with the God nonsense damn. we've gotten in that hey, franchise. Hey, look, dude, we, we've just been thinking about film critics being kind. Let's just move away from Halloween ends very quickly. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you um, listen to our episode of Halloween, there's some really mean stuff in those I mean, episodes. It, it just, I mean, it's, it is bad, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I, I get your point. That's a really good point. I love, I love looking at horror franchises because they're – Horror is the one genre, really, where you can have these 
franchises which just go on forever. You have like 13, 14, 15 installments of certain ones. But good shout though, Scream, my friend, being the most consistent in terms of quality. Uh, Nightmare yeah. for me will always be my favourite in terms of creativity. As such a creative, sure. each film comes up with creativity. However, like you say, not always the best. It kind of zigzags. And on that, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, I watched this week because um, I wrote for John's website for a mm-hmm. new element a new section called the horror zone similarly to john where john is going to recommend films that you should watch tonight on streaming and it could be you know covering any genre that john fancies i'm going i'm leaning into my love of horror and giving horror recommendations and as i said it won't be watch the exorcist watch the shining because everybody knows those films it may not it may it may not also be the kind of under the radar c movie films you've never heard of but films which are maybe are undiscovered gems or film like nightmare on elm street 3 which within the franchise and the and the fandom is very well revered and i think it's better than the first film but it's just to kind of push out there and say check this out it's a great it's great fun here's why i like it here's why i think you will like it as well so i watched dream warriors dig it my friend i dig it man um i also watched spider-man no way home i was in the last like i don't know what to watch there's not really much coming out of the theater so i'll put on spider-man again to see if no way home gives me the same buzz that it did at the cinema that time first time i saw it and it didn't but i still enjoyed it you know i i noticed again i mentioned my my critique at the time was it's very thin narratively that the story is very you know it's very fairly formulaic but the what 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 it makes lacks there it makes up for in spectacle and nostalgia and fun and feels and those are still there but nothing's going to match that pop jb like as you'll know first time you see it with a packed audience when when Toby entered, when, yeah. when Andrew entered, and even seeing all the old villains just with a packed crowd, it hit differently. But, but the film still holds up in terms of it being a good, fun one. Um, and the other film I watched was a film called Space Oddity. Now, I can't talk about this film because it's got an a embargo to the end of the month, but it's it's um, directorial de- debut by Kyra Sedwick, and it's oh. a some sci-fi film i'm trying to say too much sci-fi film with some romance into it uh switch stars um kyle allen from west side story alexander ship from x-men madeline brewer from the handmaid's tale simon helberg who was one of the lads from the big bang theory uh carrie preston and of course kevin bacon it's kara cedric's husband kevin bacon as well and it's like a dra- it's a dramedy um and i can't say anything about it unfortunately but i watched that and at the end of the month i'll say whether i liked it or not but it came through in my inbox and um i usually you know, again like we always say sometimes the, i'll look at the email sometimes i won't sometimes i'll respond sometimes i won't people are busy but i saw this one and i thought hmm kyra cedric directorial debut decent cast i like the premise you know what? I'm, yes, please do send me over a link. I'm going to check this out, and I did, and I'll speak about it at the end of the month, JB. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it was more the cast and the name that dragged me in there, my friend. Um, and for TV, I've been watching Amando, uh season three, episode two. Uh, I won't say too much because I haven't seen it, and it has only just come out. The first episode I thought was solid. Second episode I thought was this is this is this is good. This is good stuff. Second episode's good stuff. Um, it is a step up from last week's episode. That's what I will say. Um, but other than that, JB, yeah, not too much more from me in terms of what I've been checking out. I'm more looking forward now to what's coming out. And we've got a packed BAMP schedule coming up. But We do. It's busy. We're busy. We've got to stay bloody awesome in order to maintain the levels that we want to give to you for this show. So, JB, how on earth have you been staying bloody awesome this week? 
Well, um, physical media. Uh, so hmm. I went to our local thrift store, which I go to frequently, and yep. usually uh, they're, they're DVDs and Blu-rays, but they, they kind of don't seem to understand that they're two different things. They just say DVDs are a dollar, <laughs> right? Like a, a dollar a piece. And at Fair one point, they hardly had anything. They had like a shelf. But lately, they've got three floor-to-ceiling shelves like full of movies and nice it seems like no matter how much i pull like they keep getting more and i'm just like man um, bad so my wife wanted to go uh she's looking for other stuff but i'm like okay i'm gonna go look at the movies as i walk into the movies there's a sign on the wall that says half price dvds and i'm like 50 cents a Come disc then the chorus so was in your ears oh i bought 30 <laughs> on saturday Jesus christ what does that um, make some um, 30 uh i can't do the maths if 10 15 is bucks. Five, 15 bucks yeah um so i uh some of them i bought i buy stuff for my classroom too like things i can yes. add to the library that make it available for the kids but so some I, I were rebuys or like things that i was like i have this digital but why not go ahead and have a disc um and dude but so not only did i get 30 dvd boxes but they don't differentiate for any kind of reason. So I found an Ocean's collection, uh, <laughs> Ocean's 8, 11, 12, and 13 with individual discs, but in one box, I got that for 50 cents. I was waiting for Steven Soderbergh to make a heist movie about me because I felt like I was ripping this thrift <laughs> store off. I'm like, how could I get four of these movies for 50 cents? I paid less than a quarter per movie. For four, I I've actually never seen twelve or thirteen. I love eleven. I like eight. I I think eight's a little hated on. Um, I thought eight was fun. It's not perfect. A lot of fun. I think Rihanna and Aquafina best part of eight though, and, and that's with Kate Blanchett and Sandy B doing some good work. Yeah. But I just love Aquafina, and I I think Rihanna's like just uh, like really being used well because she's done some other movies not always used well. I think she's used really well in Ocean's Eight. Um, so. And also, I got four Steve McQueen movies in that same way. Four different, you know, individual discs. Even though it was in one box, it was a Steve McQueen four-pack. So I'm like, wow. So really, I got like 36 movies for 15 bucks. And that's ridiculous, John. Yeah, man. <laughs> it, so adding to my collection, again, I added some stuff to the shelf uh, at, at my at my job for the students. Um, good times. And I did, I post a lot of what I find uh, physical media-wise on yes. Instagram. So you can always check me out there and see what I'm buying. Yes, do so. That's that's unbelievable. And you've also got a very good um, filing system as well, which I'm going to copy off you. Where your 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 book cave isn't necessarily filled with boxes, is it? Of cases? No, of it is not. Oh, yeah, I out to, of necessity, uh, I had too many, uh, so I had to I had to figure out a way to consolidate. Nope, you did it. I, I'm, I'm going to nick it. Remember, BLB, B like book, and. Well, my one. Oh dear God, how many times I <laughs> listeners to the show will be sitting there thinking. God, this guy talks rubbish, but it's true. This week, I have been calorie counting. Uh, and what actually happened, what, what it comes from is a guy at work who wanted to be a personal trainer. Hasn't given up on that per se, but he said to me the other day, he goes, oh, I've got this PT now. Um, he's doing this, this, and this. So I thought, I said, didn't you? I said, didn't you? You wanted to be a PT, didn't you? And he said, well, yeah, I, I still do. I said, well, look at me. I need help. Not in a pleading kind of, oh, my God, please. I was like, in that tone, I need help. So I'll be the guinea pig. Tell me what I've got to do and let's, you know, let's do this. So I've now got this, I've got calorie plan. I've got uh, what to have for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in terms of amount. I've got a step count to do. I've got a, um, in a minute, it's like a dumbbell routine because, and, 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 um, yeah, so, and steps in a walking routine. Um, 
and I've been weighing myself, and I've started, I weighed myself this week. God, I wish I hadn't, but you've got to do Avenue. So I'm actually doing it this time because I know I've got somebody every, every Monday will be sitting at the desk opposite saying, let's have your weight because, because this is part of it now. You weighed yourself. Let's see if you've been sticking to the plan. So JB, this could, this could finally be after five years of the BAMP. This could finally be it, JB, the time when I say I'm doing it and actually do it and actually be like Burke. Well, I am proud of you, sir. It is not easy. I've actually, um, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, dietitians arguing that you, you shouldn't count calories kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. obviously you should, but yes, also like sure. how stressful the process can be. So I have for like the first time in like four years, I've not been counting my calories, which I'm finding to be equally as stressful because I'm so used to doing it now that, uh, I'm like, Oh, I really should be counting. I do have a sense of what I'm eating now at this point though. Like I kind of know what my portions are. My breakfast especially is very, uh, the same every day. So like, I know, I know it's 400 calories. Like I don't need to count them because I know, um, so still counting them, but I'm also like trying to have a healthier relationship with food and eating when I'm hungry and not eating when I'm full, which I have had historically bad at, at yes. you know, like I like food. It tastes good. There's still food. I'm going to keep on eating at pizza being the worst. So we'll see how I do tonight. Um, <laughs> good luck with that. Um, but yeah, so that's been my, my kind of goal for this week is transitioning out of it. So good for you though, man. It, it's, it's a process. I'm glad you're, tr- you're taking steps that you want to take. Yeah, trying to do it seriously, seriously this time as well, for the same reason as you. You, you, you see the pizza and you think, oh, it's there, I've paid for it, I'll have the whole thing now, rather than maybe spreading out somewhat. Or or sometimes it's comfort food, whatever it might be, but um, eventually you've got to say, take a stand and say, nope, got to do it for the right reason. So here we go. I'll, I'll, be, ch- I'll be checking in monthly with this one, I imagine. But um, we're going to be checking out for this week's episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast and our mm-hmm. review of creed three don't worry we're not going anywhere we'll be back in on monday with a spoiler minisode and we'll be back again next week with our episodes for scream six john i am <clears throat> i am very excited but i'm very excited to watch this film hopefully enjoy it and then get on the blower and talk to you about it I can't wait. However, we've got to wait until next week. But until then, we'd love to hear from you about what you thought about Creed 3, about the show. Now, what did you think? What, are we too harsh on the film, not harsh enough? Are we too effusive with our praise? Let us know. On Twitter, you can find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Uh, John, where can the world find us online on Instagram? Bloody awesome movie pod nice and simple if you're on facebook bloody awesome movie podcast you'll see us on there you'll also find the reviews on the tomato meter the bloody awesome movie podcast is approved and the reviews do go up on there as well so we are contributing to either something you agree with or vehemently disagree with even when you agreed with it last week the beauty of the tomato meter but we're on there um for what it's worth if you want to find me online you can do what i watch tonight.co.uk or just search for what I watch tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. Uh, John, where are you? I am at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Or he's in the theatre, like me. But if you like what we're doing here, and we really hope you do, please do drop us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. You can do it on Spotify as well. Thank you to those who have. It you know, really does help the show grow. It really does get new listeners in, and it really does get us up those algorithm lists. So... If you have a few seconds, we'd really appreciate it. But with that, guys, as always, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blah, 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 blah.